Lord, just to uh, to have you speak to us and to, to understand your mind and your heart for us. We just ask that you would bless this time, allow your spirit to come and to... Uh, to uh, fill our hearts with your word and, and give us your message for today, God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let me just read the first part of John. We talked about Jesus being the word, and, and here it's going to focus in John 1, verse 19 through 28. It talks about John the Baptist and his testimony to who Jesus was. And John the Baptist was, he is the... I mean, he's like the prime example of a witness, a test, you know, a, a testifier to the gospel. When you, most of the time when the Bible talks about a witness, it's not talking about somebody who like just sees something happen. It's talking about somebody who testifies to something like you're a witness in court when you tell what you saw, you know, when you testify to, to and he's like the primary example of a witness. In fact, Jesus says later on in in this gospel, I think that he says that uh, among men born of women, there's no one greater than than John the Baptist. Um, and so, can you imagine this guy's whole life? His whole purpose in his life was to testify to another who was coming after him. That was what his purpose was. That was what his mission was. That was, you know, what his life was all about. That's what it was going to point to was he was pointing away from himself, pointing to Jesus. So let me read just the first few verses, 19 through maybe 21. And what we're going to see in this whole section is what a powerful witness is and how can I have one? Because really, just like John the Baptist, your mission in life, uh, whether you're doctor, lawyer, garbage man, janitor, electrician, whatever you are, wherever you, whatever you do, wherever you work, wherever, you know, no matter how many kids you have, what kind of family you have, your mission in life is to point away from yourself and to point other people to Christ. That's your job. The last thing Jesus said was go and tell. Make disciples of all the nations. And so, really, it's easy for us to get bogged down into what I, my job and how I can better myself and how I can build more to make, you know, more money or more, more comfort or more pleasure or more. Most people, most people would say, I don't want to be rich. You know, which, you know, everybody wants to be rich, but most people would say, I don't want to be rich, I just want to be comfortable. You know, I want to have pleasure and stuff. And, and that's a good aspiration, but the reality is that if being comfortable does not lead you to be a better witness toward Christ, and you're a Christian, God will keep you from being comfortable. See what I mean? Most of the time that I've found, and this is just my personal experience, so it's probably not a rule, but it's just a generalization, the more comfortable people get, the more at ease people get, the less they witness for Christ. And when I say witness, I don't just mean go out and tell, like go out and stand on the street corner and say, hey Jesus, I'm talking about every part of your life, your your walk, your talk, the way people see you at work, just, just your life in general, being a witness to Christ. The more comfortable you get, the more at ease you get, the less and less you start being a witness. That's just what I see. You know, it may not be true in all cases. Uh, so let me just read 
19 to show you how John's witness was so powerful and how we can have that uh, powerful of a witness. Verse 19 says, and this is the record. That's the testimony. This is the testimony. This is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? What did they ask him? They want to know, who are you? Who are you? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then art thou Elias? That's Elijah. And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. So the first thing you see is that he is pointing away from himself. He's saying, I'm not the one. It's easy when people come to you, you know, especially being in the ministry or if someone sees that you are walking with Christ and, you know, that you are a person that has a relationship with Christ, they'll come and they'll say, I need you to help me. And then they'll give you the problem and want the answer. And the reality that we have to understand is that I can't help you. I mean, I can point you to the one who can help you. I can give you the words of the one who can help you. I can tell you what he said in his word, but I don't have the power to make you all better. I don't have the power to, to make you not sad. I don't have the power to, to fix your hurt feelings or, or any of those things. All I have the power to do is to point you away from me and point you to the one who can help you. Does that make sense? So what this is going to do when we talk about John the Baptist is... The main thrust that I want you to see in the whole text that we're going to read is that the pressure for you being a witness is really off of you because your witness is based in the power of God and his truth. So there'll be times when, I mean, I'll be walking towards somebody. They'll say, I need you to come here. You know, they're like, hey, come here from across the room. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord. This is not going to be good. And so as I'm walking there, I know that they're going to have some kind of counseling issue or some kind of thing that they need help with. And I'm just praying as I go, God, help me because I can't. I don't know what to tell this person. I don't have a clue. I mean, I don't I don't really know what I'm I mean. Have you ever been? You know, some of y'all have been at the bedside of people that, you know, were were passing away and, you know, families crying and all. It's just, it's like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't have the answer. I don't have, all I can do is point away. And so... John the Baptist's ministry was known all over. He'd been preaching, he'd preached repentance, he'd been, he'd been, he'd been, you know, all the people were coming out to him and he was, uh, you know, in, he was preaching repentance, the Lord is coming and get ready and all those things. And so these religious leader guys, they came to check him out and notice what they asked him. They didn't ask him about his message. They didn't ask him about the truth, where he was getting the truth from. They didn't ask him about his relationship to any. All they said is, who are you? They want to know, what authority do you have to be out here preaching? What authority do you have? Who are you? And I love in this this section and the next section, John never answers them about who, who am I. 
he always pushes the question. He like he said, "Who are you?" And John just just tells them, "Who I'm not. I'm not the Christ. I'm not the one." And they said, "Are you Elijah?" And the reason they said that was, I wrote these verses down so you wouldn't have to turn there. In Malachi four five, it says, "Behold, I send you Elijah. This is a prophecy. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord." So the Jews of that time they expected before the Messiah would come, before the Messiah would return, or not return, but just come, Elijah would come first and herald his coming. He would he would come and foretell, hey, y'all be ready, here comes the Lord. And they were asking him, are you the fulfillment of this prophecy? And John would John said, no, I'm not, I'm not him. And the, the weird thing about it is in Mark, Elijah, uh, no. I think it's in Luke. Luke 1.17, the angel that foretold John the Baptist's birth said that he was the one who come in the spirit of Elijah. And so John said, I mean, John is there. He's going, look, I'm just John. I'm John the Baptist. I'm baptizing people. I'm getting them ready. I'm, I'm getting them ready for the Lord. I'm witnessing to who he is and what he's going to do. But God... God had sent him in the spirit of Elijah. What kind of clothes did John the Baptist wear? Did y'all read that? Huh? He had camel hair and he ate locusts and wild honey. Did that sound familiar to anybody? It's the same thing that Elijah wore. Same thing that he wrote. What message did John preach? The If you had to sum up John the Baptist's message in one word, what would it be? Exactly. Same message Elijah preaches. So John, rather than him saying, he could have said, look, I am a prophet. When they said, who are you? He could have said, you know what? I'm the prophet. I'm out here in the wilderness. I'm the one that was foretold. I am, I am the one who has the authority to be speaking forth God's word and to command the nation to repent. He didn't do any of that. They said, who are you? He said, I'm just the voice. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He says, then they said, verse 22, then they said to him, who art thou that we may be given an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? Notice, they're just asking him who you are. Not about what you're preaching, not about what you're doing. Who are you? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Elijah. So I like how at the beginning of chapter one, Jesus is the word. But John says he's just a voice. He doesn't say, you know, I'm I'm the prophet. Uh, that prophet where it says, are you that prophet? It's talking about in Deuteronomy, Moses said that there would be a prophet. God would raise up a prophet and you should listen to everything he said. I think it's, uh, I wrote it down too. It's Deuteronomy... 1818. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. That's Deuteronomy 1818. So these Jews were wondering, hey, maybe this is the prophet. And John says, I'm not him. I'm nobody but a voice. And I'm just crying in the wilderness that, hey, you need to get ready for the Lord's coming. Now, how, did, how you've already said it once, but the way that he, the way that he's telling them to make the path straight of the Lord, he's talking about not just the roads out there, you know, in Palestine. He's talking about your heart. How do you make the path straight in your heart in preparation for the Lord's coming? 
Repentance. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. Repent and be ready for the Lord when He comes. He witnessed only to God's coming. Now here's the question. Would anybody ever send somebody to investigate your life or mine? Would anybody... See, John was in the wilderness and... It, it seems to me like if I wanted to be a preacher and I wanted to be a witness, I'd go to where the people was at. I'd go like downtown Jerusalem, you know what I mean, and get on a get on a soapbox and just start preaching. Go to the temple, but John was out in the wilderness, and the people came to him, and the people came to him in such a great number that the religious leaders they had to send somebody out to see what's going on out here who is this dude out here in the wilderness what does he think he's doing we're the religious people we're the religious leaders here is the temple here is all this what does this guy think he's doing so john lived a life and he spoke a message that drew other people to wonder what's going on what's going on with him and that's the thing about being a powerful witness. When I say being a witness, I'm not just talking about going out into the street. I've taken youth out into the streets uh, at the fall festival before and just had them witnessing. Just you walk up to somebody, hand them a track, you know, say, here, take this. If, the, if they, they want to engage in conversation, you conversate with them, show them, you know, different things to do and all that. And if not, you just move on. That's witnessing. But living your life for Christ in your job, in your school, in your family, in your that's also witnessing because people look at you and they'll say, how does that person get through what's going on? How does that person always have the demeanor that they have? How does that person, and it's not about being perfect. It's not about being a perfect person. We're going to see later on in John, in this gospel, that John the Baptist doubted whether Jesus was the Christ. John the Baptist was put in jail. He sent two of his followers to Jesus and he, they were to ask him are you the one or are we waiting for another because John's in jail he's like I mean I thought you were supposed to be here to rescue us all here I am in jail so we're not talking about sinless I'm not saying you're not a good witness unless you're sinless I'm saying unless your life points to Christ it's not a powerful witness think about this think about the three people in this world that know you better than anybody else on the planet. Maybe it's your mom, dad, wife, brother, sister, whoever. I'm talking about the ones that know you the best. Nobody knows your heart, but the three that know you the very best in this world. Now, the question is, would those three people, if I walked up to them and asked them, would they say, I say, what if I went to Jimmy's three people and I said, what is the most important thing in Jimmy's life? You only get one answer. Would they say that it's Jesus? Would they say that it's him? Or would, well, Jimmy, you know, I'm just using him as an example. Man, he, he loves his family. He loves his, you know. What would they say is the number one thing? that he loves more than anything else, the thing that characterizes all of his life, would they say Christ? That's what a witness is. It's somebody who, yeah, I'm not talking about walking around slapping people in the face with your Bible at work all day long. I'm talking about just living for God, living to please him. When you live to please him, other people see it because it's so 
it's so uncommon. You know what I mean? Most people are just out for pleasure, comfort. Most people are out for fun or entertainment. Most people are out for money or or whatever. I never was out for money. I was always out for fun and entertainment. That was my, you know, I you know, that's what I wanted. That's all I wanted out of life was just fun and entertainment. And so um it seems to me that a powerful witness is one that it's not necessarily one running up and down the road going, hey, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Although that's a good thing. Powerful witness is one that you live your life for Christ in front of others in such a way that that they can't help but notice. Are they all going to run up to you and say, oh, what makes you so happy? No, probably not. Probably not. But what you're doing is when they see you, and sometimes you may never even know that they see you, it's planting seeds. It's planting seeds of, well, they're living for Christ and they're living for Christ. Maybe there's something to this. And they may go to somebody else to talk about it. They may go to somebody else to understand what it's all about. But they see you and they say, that person loves Jesus more than anything else. You with me? Okay. And it seems to me that that's what John's, that was his whole mission. That was his whole identity was, I'm here to point you to him. I'm here to point you to Christ. I'm here to point you away. Even when they asked him, what do you say about yourself? He refused to say, I am so-and-so. He said, I'm nothing but a voice. He was quoting a passage from Isaiah. But he said, I'm nothing but a voice. All I'm doing, all I'm doing is making a sound. I'm a, I'm a trumpet making a sound pointing you to this other guy. I'm pointing you to this Messiah. I'm not the prophet. I'm not Elijah. I'm not some great guy that's come to help y'all get out of your stuff or some guy that's come that's going to, you know, lift you out of your burdens and all that. All, all I'm here to do is point you to Christ. I have a lot. I have some free time during the days in the mornings, and uh, I put in for. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I just put in for it for to be like a chaplain at the hospital. You know, on certain days, and just walk around and you know pray with folks and that deal. And you know, I was even thinking. I've told a couple people, and they were like, you know, <laughs> it's like you can't really walk in the rooms. Like, man, you're gonna die. You know. I mean, you got to be loving and tactful and, and, you know, do those, do those characteristics describe me loving and caring and tactful and y'all better quit smiling and shaking your head. What y'all doing? And so I was like, maybe that, that might not be the thing you need to do. But the reality is all I can do I can't make nobody feel better. I can't solve nobody's grief problem. I can't. All I can do is point you to the one who can. That's all I can do. And that's what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to point you to this Jesus who can give you peace and who can save you and give you comfort. You know, that's all I can do. And so that's all that's all that I would do. And so that's what John was doing. Um. Everything that he did was pointing away from himself. 
And so that's the first thing. Second thing, let me read 24 through 27, and then I'll get your thoughts on all this stuff. And when they were sent, they asked him, are you this guy? And they were sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not the Christ, nor Elijah, Elias, neither that prophet? They're saying, what authority do you think you have to be out here baptizing folks? Now, you need to understand what the baptism they're talking about. They're not talking about Christian baptism like we know it, although it is dunking folks in the water. Um, Baptism for a Jewish person before Christ came, it was what they did to Gentiles who wanted to become Jewish. See what I mean? Like if if a Greek or somebody who wasn't Jewish comes and says, you know what, I want to be, I want to worship the God of Israel. I want to follow these laws. I want to worship in the temple. I want to do all those things. What they would do is they would go through this ceremony of baptizing them, you know, and they would have to say the Shema, which is hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And they would baptize, them, you know. And so for a person that was out in the wilderness going, Calling Jewish people to be baptized was like, wait, wait what, what are you doing? What do you, these are already Jewish people. These are already God's people here. Why are you baptizing them? Baptism is what we do to Gentiles to make them Jewish. But John was calling them to be part of the people of God through the Messiah. He's saying, you, you come and repent. And then through the Messiah, through Jesus, you will be part of God's people. And he was baptizing them in their repentance. That makes sense? Y'all with me? So it was kind of weird to be baptizing Jewish people. They would come out and they would go like, what are you doing? What right do you have to be out here baptizing? You can't just pop up in the wilderness one day and say, hey, I'm John. I'm finna baptize everybody. You know, we're the religious leaders. We're the ones with the book of the law. We're the ones who you have to come through us priests to get to God. Uh, who, do you th- who do you think you are just popping up here in the woods saying, I'm going to start baptizing Jewish people into the people of God? And so I love that he didn't even answer. He didn't answer them either. 24 says, uh, 25 says, why are you baptizing if you're not none of these people? And John answered saying, look, I'm just baptizing with water. He says, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who's coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. So... They were questioning his, questioning his authority to baptize. And what did he say? He didn't say, look, I, I'm a prophet, man. I'm foretold. Isaiah foretold that I would be here, a voice crying out in the wilderness. I have, you know, I know God's word just like you know God's word. And I, he didn't say none of that. He just said, look, I'm baptizing in water. He said, but there's coming one and you don't know him. He's the one that's going to baptize. And he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In another gospel, he said, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so, what did he do? When they said, you don't have the authority to be here doing what you're doing, who did he point to? Jesus. Pointed to Jesus again. And I love the fact that he said, he said, he's standing Yeah, he was there. It was like, it says, the next day, John saw him. And so, think about this. How many of y'all have ever tried to witness to somebody that was a complete stranger? Like walked up and said, hey man, you know. What about, how many of y'all have tried to witness to people that in your family? And that's a whole lot harder. Yeah. Complete strangers are easy. Yeah. You know, 
But think about this. The power of the message does not come from how good you deliver it. Does that make sense? People all the time ask me about, you know, I don't know what to say. What do I? Somebody called me this week. I mean, this week. And they said, look, this guy just found out he's got cancer and I'm going to go talk to him about the Lord. And I mean, where do I start? What do I say? And they were, they were kind of disappointed at my answer. My answer was, you just tell them what Jesus did for you. He said, well, where do I start in the Bible? I said, what verse do you know? He said, John 3.16. I said, there you go. That's good enough. I mean, he was expecting me to tell him this big thing about how to do. That's not how it works. Your witness is your witness. Your testimony is your testimony. You use God's word however it's affected you. And it's God who changes hearts. You will never argue somebody into the kingdom. You will never reason and logic somebody into the kingdom. See what I mean? It's not going to be by how smart you are or how much you know or all that. It's going to be by the power of the message. It's Jesus who changes hearts. We just, Johnny Wayne just preached a sermon this morning about how people's, about how God opened their eyes. And, and he went to another place and showed how their eyes were darkened. They were blinded by the God of this world. And so what we do is in prayer, we go and we pray that God would open their heart. In uh, Acts, it said that God opened Lydia's heart so she would hear the message of Paul and believe. And so that's why we pray for people like, you know, we pray for our family members. God, please, you know, and then but a lot of times we think it's up to me to come up with the argument. You know what I mean? What if they say this? How do I argue against this? You know, people call me all the time saying so and so said this. What do I say? You know, and there's answers for all those things. And that's I enjoy doing that stuff. But you got to know that that. Answering questions and showing how science supports the Bible and all those arguments and all those things, those are great things and those are there's they're all there and the truth always has backup, but that's not what brings people into a saving relationship with God. Okay? What brings them into that relationship with God is the power of the gospel. The gospel is the power for salvation to all those who believe. Does that make sense? Does that take any pressure off of you? Because so many people don't witness. They don't testify because they think, well, I'm going to look stupid. Or what if somebody asks me a question I can't answer? Guess what? It's going to happen. It's going to happen all the time. Don't matter how much you know, somebody's going to ask you a question that you can't answer eventually. But answering questions and having the right answers and knowing what to say and being quick on your feet and being real, you know, that is not what brings people into the kingdom. The message, the power of the gospel brings them into the kingdom. If you, I knew a guy one time who was an atheist guy and he was a friend of another guy and the other guy was a Christian and he was well studied. I mean, he was a, you know, smart guy and he, you know, knew a lot about, you know, defending the faith and all that kind of stuff. And they had this, they had this interchange and the atheist ate his lunch. I mean, made him look stupid. Made him look so stupid. And then, uh, you know, fast forward a couple years later, a couple years later, come to find out the atheist had come to Christ 
And one of the things, it was somebody else who had witnessed to him, but one of the things that had brought him to the faith was just the guy talking to him. He'd give him the message. That's all he could give him was the message, the gospel. He gave him who Christ was. And that started working. It started growing. It started feeding into him. It started, it's just sprouted and it grew into his. So never ever think, especially when you're having your, the little Facebook disagreements and all. I don't even do that anymore. Somebody posted my, you know how you post, they post your name in a comment and then it'll email you and tell you, hey, your name was posted. You know, folks posted me in an argument that was going on thinking I was going to jump in there and and try to argue. It's, it's no point. In, it's no point. In arguing those things is good and it's fun and I enjoy it, but that's not going to save anybody. They came to John the Baptist and they said, who, what gives you the authority to be here? And what they expected was, I'm John the Baptist. They prophesied that I was coming. I am a prophet of God. I am called of God. I am here because I'm supposed to be here and I'm giving the truth. And what they got was just telling folks about Jesus, man. That's all I'm doing. I'm telling folks about the Messiah. And they, they didn't get the answer that they wanted. So verse, uh, where are we at now? 28? Yeah, that's the end of it. Then these things were done in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. And then the next day, uh, we'll get to that later. Let me show you one last thing. And I showed the men this one day when I did the, when I did the deal. Uh, John did not defend his right to baptize. He did not offer any evidence that he should be baptized or witness. He just gave them the message. That's all he did. When they came and said, you owe us an explanation, he just gave them the message. He didn't, he didn't, didn't worry about that. He said, look, I, I'm not the man. I, in fact, I'm not even worth untying the Messiah's shoelaces. I don't know if y'all know how demeaning that would be back then, but like, can you, you can imagine everywhere you went there, you walked, right? I guess you ride a camel, but you know what I mean? You walked everywhere you went and you had sandals on and it was Palestine. You know what I mean? It, it ain't like walking through, it ain't like walking through your front yard. So you imagine how nasty people's feet got. I mean, it was nasty. And when you were a student of a rabbi, even in the Jewish literature, that was something that you did not have to do as a student. That would be below a student. Like if Bruce is my rabbi, he's my teacher, and I'm his student, that would be beneath me to take off his sandals and wash his feet. I mean, that's kind of gross, right? And John here is saying, look, the one that's coming... Y'all are looking at me like I owe you some explanation about my authority or my, you know, what gives me the right to what. He said, I don't have no rights. He said, I'm not even good enough to take off the Messiah's sandals and wash his feet. I mean, that's kind of gross. That's kind of gross. He was saying, I don't have any authority. All I got is the message. That's all I got. And so John today in John's life would seem like it's a rough day because in this section, there were people, you know, we read in other gospels that were being baptized by him and repenting and doing those things. But on this particular day, it seemed like, you know, it was kind of rough on him. All these people coming and questioning him. And I mean, just man, it's just rough. But what we see is that a 
good witness, a powerful witness, one that just gives the message of Christ, one that is lived out, it's never going to be in vain. You understand? If I witness to Bruce, right, and Bruce tells me to go take a flying leap at a rolling donut, and he never, and I never see him again, I'm thinking, man, I failed bad with Bruce, right? God's going to use that witness. And he'll use it in one of two ways. He'll either eventually save Bruce through the message, through the gospel, or he'll use the interaction that we had to judge Bruce at the end of time. See what I mean? Now, Bruce, you ain't got no excuse. Jason came and told you the message. And he will use that to judge him. So God will use the gospel to either judge man or to save man. He'll judge you by the light you've been given. So one of two ways, it will be used and it's never in vain. Look over, if you got your Bible, we're going to read one more thing and then we'll discuss anything you want to. In John chapter 10. John would have walked away from the interchange with those Pharisees thinking, man, I didn't do too good. They are really messing me up. John chapter 10, verse 40. It says, and this is after John is gone and Jesus is now on the scene doing his thing. It says, and they went away again beyond the Jordan in the place, he's talking about Jesus, uh, went, away, went away again in the place, where am I? and went away again beyond the Jordan in the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode, talking about Jesus, and many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spoke of this man were true, and many believed on him there. So even though John, by all intents and purposes, by our measure, John would have been kind of a failure at witnessing because basically he just brought the condemnation of the religious, religious down on him. His witness, his message wasn't in vain because later on when they saw Jesus, when, when they actually placed their eyes upon the one whom John spoke, they remembered what John had said and they said, you know what, it's true what he said. His witness was part of the reason why they actually came to Jesus on that day. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? No? All right. Uh, okay. John the Baptist. Here we go. John the Baptist witnessed about Jesus. Okay. To all, I'm John the Baptist, and I'm witnessing to all of you guys. Okay, about Jesus, who ain't come yet. I ain't seen him, don't know who he is yet. Right? Okay. All y'all say, eh, that's pretty good. Yeah, 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 okay, all right. Maybe, maybe not. So what? Okay, as John the Baptist, what do I feel like? I feel like I failed. What am I doing out here? Why am I doing this? You know, none of them believe, none of them, right? Okay, so exit John the Baptist, and here comes Jesus. And in the next passage, we're going to see Jesus shows up, and here he is. And now you're looking at Jesus. And so. 
Jesus comes and when you see him, when your heart's open to know who he is, when you understand that he's the Savior, when you understand that he's God, then you believe and you trust on him and you think back to what I told you before he showed up. And you say, you know what? Jason was right. Now, was my witness a failure? No. Because when Jesus opened your eyes, when Jesus opened your heart, you understood and all the things that I've told you flood back into your mind. You know what? He was right. Those things about him are true. You see, that's what happened here. John the Baptist witnessed to all these folks. The religious leaders came down on him. And then he probably felt like a heel. And then later, 10 chapters later, you see Jesus go back to where John was baptizing. And it says in verse 41, And many resorted unto him, many believed on Jesus, many came to him and said, John, talking about John the Baptist, he didn't do any miracles, but all the things that John spoke of this man were true. So even when I witnessed to Jimmy, and Jimmy says, Jason, you're an idiot, and you're a big dummy for believing that stuff, my witness is not a failure. I move on. That's what I'm supposed to do. You see what I mean? Because it's very few witnessed to Jehovah's Witnesses, and I don't think I've ever witnessed to a Mormon. Many Mormons right here, but a lot of religious people, a lot of whatever, and rarely, rarely do they fall down on their knees right then and there and say, "Oh, I need forgiveness." It just doesn't happen that way. Exactly, exactly. Right, right. And the, the reality is that it always accomplishes the work. When I, what I mean by that is, if I, I'm using you because you're on the front row. If I tell Jimmy the gospel... The gospel is the power to salvation. It's working. Now, it may be, it's either going to bring them to repentance or it's going to make them really angry. (laughs) That's what the gospel does. That's what it does. So it's going to do one of those two things. And so we just give the gospel and we pray that God would open their eyes. Because the reality is, when you got saved... It was nobody's smart speech. It was nobody's it was nobody's good arguments. It was not logic. It was not reason. It was not it was not, you know, the heavens coming down and showing you the miracles of the whatever. It was the Holy Spirit opening your heart as the word of God was being preached or taught or read or thought about when somebody, you know, uh When somebody, when the word of God came to you, the gospel came to you, the Holy Spirit took that gospel and opened your heart and and set it in there where you said, you know what, I want that. I want God. I I want to choose Him. I want to believe in Him. Y'all make make sense? So your witness can be powerful even though... You're thinking, I don't know what I should say. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That's, that's when your witness is the most powerful. 
Because you're not dependent on yourself. You're dependent on God, His power, and the message of the gospel. That's what does the work. See what I mean? Make sense? Any questions? Yes. Well, I don't know. That's a good question. It could be either or. I would say when he says the one stands among you that you do not know, he's talking about no as in... Yeah, but you don't know he's like a relationship. You, I'm, I'm here telling you about the one coming, and you ain't got no clue who it is. Not you don't know his identity, but you don't even know that they're the Messiah is is here, and he's the Messiah. Now he grew up in Nazareth, but he would have went to the temple every year, and but there were you know it's thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I don't know. It could be. It could be. Well, they probably, they, I mean, it's very possible that they had seen it because it wasn't, it's not a very big place. But I think what he's saying is you guys are religious, but yet you don't know that the fulfillment of all this is right here, is right here. I mean, I think that's his main point. It could be possible that I'm sure that they saw him just in a crowd, but he had not been revealed as this is the Messiah. That's what John the Baptist was doing. He was saying, you know, I'm, I'm coming to tell you about this one coming. Because I take it back and it was like, are they in time that, you know, someone standing, you know, says that to us and we see this person that we've seen, you know, periodically throughout a period of time that comes, you know, mm-hmm. where, They'll be like, oh my goodness, you know. Yeah, and some people make a case that John the Baptist didn't even know. He knew the Messiah was coming, but he didn't know exactly who it was. Because the next section that we'll look at next week, it says, I'll just read it to you. It says, uh, in John verse... 29, let me just read it. It says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming up to him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me cometh one which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I coming baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode on him, and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said upon to me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. See what I mean? So it could be could make a case that Jesus, you know, he he'd always been the Son of God, always he's always the Messiah, always there, but his his ministry as the Messiah had not yet been made known. You know. So that's a lot to think about, though. I mean, you could think about all that. Think about whether, I mean, Mary and Joseph had to know something. You know? I was like, man, we got a good kid. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And so did so did John's parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, because Elizabeth, you know, John jumped in her womb, and so a lot of good, a lot of good questions. Any other? Is there any historical information on how long John's ministry before Christ was revealed? How long, you know, had he been preaching, repent to, to the Jewish people, uh, baptizing? Do we know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I want to say it was right around the same time frame because John wasn't but maybe six months older than Jesus. Is that right? Yeah. So it's probably going to be, it wouldn't be like 10 years or anything like that, but it's probably going to be. Lifelong calling and, and heart's desire of God put him on the earth to do that. I mean, you know, and then here, you know, if Jesus' ministry was at 30-ish, you know, mm-hmm. so, so throughout his 20s, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just curious. You know, yeah, oh yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Because uh, it's interesting that the point that you brought out about uh, the Israelites when they came to him saying, you know, why are you doing this? Like you say, because we don't baptize yeah, we don't baptize the Israelites. Yeah. Right. Uh, like this. And so that, that was a, a nice insight. But if my thinking is it had to have been relatively close. I mean, when I say close, not might have been more than days. might have been more than months. It might have been. But when when you start come, when when it says all of Jerusalem went out to him in in Matthew it says all of Jerusalem went out. so when all these people start going out to him i mean you're you're causing a big uproar especially cuz you're baptizing jewish people i mean it wouldn't have taken the religious leaders too long to say hey we need to check this out you know i mean it wouldn't have went on for long before yeah we need to go see what this guy's all about cuz he's causing a he's causing a stir so that's a good question too. I, I don't have a definitive answer for you, but I do know that that was his calling because even in in uh, it's Matthew when John was in Elizabeth's womb, it was said that he is the forerunner who would you know tell of Messiah. So even before his birth, that was his. It was known that was his calling was to be you know the voice calling in the wilderness. So I don't know. Yeah, I got plenty of time. Plenty of time today. By John 